KYW Original Podcasts. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic in Philadelphia, subscribe to KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The coronavirus pandemic from KYW In-Depth. I'm Matt Leon. So we're living in a world with no sports. Now, they're going to come back eventually, and there's a very good chance that your big-time pro sports leagues will eventually look the same. There will be short-term changes, of course, as they try to save their seasons that were interrupted or their upcoming seasons, and also some short-term financial hardship. But eventually, we will most likely get back to what we were used to on the pro sports scene. But we wondered about the college sports landscape. It's a little bit of a different conversation. How could it change? as a result of the pandemic and the havoc it's wrought. And we're not just talking Division One. What about Division Two, Division Three? We have a lot of Division Two and Division Three schools in the Philadelphia area. And how does any conversation about the future of college athletics change if we don't see a college football season in the fall? For this conversation, spoke with two local experts who follow the world of college athletics closely. Up first, Dr. Karen Weaver of Drexel LeBeau's Center of Sports Management And then we talk with Dr. Jeremy Jordan. He's the Associate Professor and Associate Dean for the Temple University School of Sport, Tourism, and Hospitality Management. We will start things off with our conversation with Dr. Karen Weaver. For a starting point, overall, and it's probably unfair to say overall because everything's so different, but uh, how financially healthy were college athletics on a grand scale, or is it really something you have to look at school by school, program by program? I think you can probably figure out that at the Division One level, there was a wide range of schools that were healthier than others. Uh, we don't have this idea of a profit loss in a situation because generally athletic departments spend whatever they can make or whatever they're given every year. But the problem is, is that Many schools, particularly at the Division One level, have made long-term commitments, whether it's to coaches or facilities or, or expecting revenues from television contracts. So they plan long-term for a consistent revenue stream or a consistent set of expenditures. When those things get upended, that's when college athletics kind of loses its, its, uh, its balance, its fulcrum, if you will. Um, in Division Two and Division Three, it's a little bit different because so much of college athletics is dependent upon institutional dollars. So if the institution's revenues are dropping because tuition, um, less students are coming to your campus and enrolling or staying in your campus, and you have this situation where there just simply isn't enough money to go be from the academic side of the house to the to the athletic side of the house, then you've got you've got a double problem of what the institution needs to do to survive. And sometimes that means redirecting finances to the academic core, and that's where athletics folks at that level get concerned. What are you hearing from people? Like, how soon could we see start seeing some surprising announcements from institutions, from programs about things they've had to do to to cut back, uh, you know, because of the, the lack of the revenue stream and stuff like that. Have you started to, to get any inkling that we could start to see some some disturbing news? Well, there's a, there's a handful of schools around the country. Um, McMurray College, which is in Illinois, just announced they are closing this year. End of the end of the spring, they are done. That's it. No more school. So you have one, uh, one situation like that. Other schools, like the University of Bridgeport in Connecticut, 
announced to their athletic staff that the whole staff is furloughed until August 2nd. So they just figured we're going to save on payroll and we're just going to furlough the athletic department staff. So I got to believe that those are two solutions to the short-term problem, but it doesn't solve all of the long-term problems about when campuses resume and what format will they resume and, and what value does that have for prospective students and their families with regards to enrollment and then, you know, completing their degrees. What are some things you think we'll see? I mean, once again, Division One is such a different animal from Division Two and Division Three. But do you think uh, we will see certain schools shutter certain sports? Uh, do you think we will see certain schools just say goodbye to sports completely? Do you think it will be a mixed bag, or do you think uh, what do you think is the most likely scenario if uh, schools have to to make moves on that front? Well, if you look at if you look at smaller colleges first, and of course the Philadelphia area is heavily populated with small D threes and D twos. Um, you know, the, the schools that are in most danger are the ones that are highly tuition dependent. So they have eighty to ninety percent of their annual revenues coming from the tuition that students pay, and also have really um, uh, what would you call lower end uh, endowments. In other words, they, they just don't have a lot to fall back on. And of course, there's a lot of structure around how you can pay endowments and how what percentage you can take off of it each year. But those schools will probably have the most difficult time rebounding unless somebody comes in as a as a, um, as a savior and just you know gives them millions and millions of dollars to survive. But there's a lot of schools that are not quite in that situation, but will need more structure and help. So. One of the things I proposed is that I think that's where the conferences need to step in and start to realign what their expectations are. And a couple of things I threw out in, in one of the articles I wrote was, you know, perhaps do we need to actually play conference championships at all this next year? Or could we just survive with a regular season champion? Do we need to play a double round robin? Can we play a single round robin? Should we try to shorten the season at all and just, and just get the season in so we've got something? So I think there's some things structurally that conferences can do collectively to try to minimize the damage across across multiple institutions. But then when you get to the Division One level, the question becomes what's what's um, acceptable for the television broadcast partners? Is it just putting the players on the field and they're playing? And first off, is that safe? Secondly, is that permissible in all the other social distancing world that we live in today? But secondly, is that it is a game that is going to have the same value in that contract? Um, and, and will that generate the same amount of revenue? We saw what huge hit um, the NCAA March Madness revenues took with um, 62% of the revenues not being distributed because they just weren't there. The NCAA was pulling money out of their reserve funds and other places just to give uh, this uh, 38% distribution. That is serious, a serious loss for the vast majority of Division I schools who don't play football. So trying to trying to recover that going forward is not realistic. So how do you at least try to level things out going forward? And you mentioned football. I think I think this conversation has two segments to it. I think there is the segment where we talk about the loss of basically the spring, the tail end of the winter and this pandemic and what it means going forward. Now let's live in a world where this lasts that it 
there's not a college football season. I mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not smart enough to know how realistic that is. But you at least hear some murmurs that that's possible. Throw that into the mix. The loss of college football revenue is that almost like detonating a nuke in the middle of all this? It is because so much of, of revenue uh, in in the college football world is generated from the college football season and the bowl season. And how do you get to a bowl season without playing a regular season? I mean, we just haven't done that before. Um, but I truly think those who are arguing are correct to say you can't expect people to pack themselves into a stadium and, uh, and with any kind of confidence that, that they're not going to get sick again. And until we are really, really sure that we can protect our athletes, we can protect our medical staff, we can protect our facilities and events folks from just this contact, the normal contact you have when you go to a game or you watch a game or you're supporting a game, I think it's really hard to imagine that, that we, can, we can do this as much as all of us would like it. Um, it, it's just it's so unsafe for the participants who, who you should be focusing on first, which is the players. What are, and I think you kind of went over this, what, what are some signs you're looking for? You mentioned what Bridgeport, what the school in Illinois did. Are there other signs you're looking for that would kind of be flashpoints that would kind of start a chain reaction of things? Well, I think it's, it's been, normally we would say, let's look at May 1st. And that's sort of the day that traditionally schools have these the entering class have paid their deposits and said, yes, I'm coming. Barring anything that is happening in the world, I'm coming to your campus. But if you look at look at families now and not sure when what their income stream is going to be, whether they even have health care benefits, probably college acceptance, paying that deposit and committing to that tuition is not probably as high on the list as it might have been pre-COVID-19. So... Colleges are going to be left to, to wait later and later and later in the summer to see what their uh, classes look like, not just who's coming in as a new student, but also who's returning. And the question then becomes, at what point do you pull the trigger and say, we're going to go completely online again, like so many of us are doing right now, or we're going to attempt to come back and have a physical campus again with a campus experience that so many students choose to have when they come to come to college. They want that collegiate experience. My fear is that we do it, we get excited, we do it, we bring it back, and all of a sudden we hear of one campus that has one student that has uh, COVID-19, and, and they decide that they, you know, that they better kick everybody off campus again. So what's the domino effect that has on others? So Right now, I don't see necessarily a domino effect like that triggering instance that you just mentioned, but I can see it happening if we decide to go back to physical campus and being classes online, not online, but in person, then we've got a situation where something happens, where the the virus has reinvented itself or come back or something happened, then all of a sudden we go away again. And that's really what I worry about with college athletics. I think... The smarter thing is to do is to wait it out as long as you possibly can until we're sure that it's safe to be together again. And I'm hopeful that my colleagues will think that way, too. We talk about the loss of football and, you know, what that would mean. Let's look on the positive. Let's say we get through this one way or another by midsummer. And let's yeah. say we all breathe a sigh of relief and life starts to get back to normal. Well, 
you still expect to see changes in number one, and you mentioned it a little bit, you know, with the, the conferences in scheduling, in traveling, uh, do you think we will see a lot more of uh, schools just busing and playing seven, eight schools in their area for their non-conference, say, in basketball, rather than maybe flying to a tournament and, you know, stuff like that to, to save money? Do you think uh, even in the best-case scenario we're going to see changes of that ilk? Well, I, th- those kinds of changes have to come at the conference level and then ultimately at the, at the NCAA level because of the the restrictions in, in uh, sport governance. When you join a conference for football, you also join with all your other sports in that same conference. And while it might be easy, let's say, for Temple to fly to Houston and play a game there and come back and not miss any classes and only have to do that you know, a couple times a year, you've got every other team at Temple also doing the same thing when you can easily see them you know, maybe traveling an hour or two on bus and being able to get those games in. So there has to be some sort of relief from the conference and the NCAA about how your opponents count towards your end of the season totals for championship. But if that were to happen, I think that allows people to be very creative in trying to save money and also protect the, the student experience in, in this process and still feel like you had some semblance of a season. And now here is our conversation with Dr. Jeremy Jordan of Temple. Jeremy Jordan. I'm the Associate Dean in the School of Sport, Tourism, and Hospitality Management at Temple University. Let's go back a couple months before COVID-19, before all this happens. Overall, were college athletics, for the most part, in pretty good financial shape, or was it a matter of an institution, institution, conference to conference? I think it definitely varied um, by school to school and conference to conference, but there were not these concerns of, you know, financial, significant financial challenges. It's kind of the normal thing we see in college athletics. Some schools are able to generate more revenue than others. And so, you know, their ability, their margins are a lot more comfortable than some of the others. You know, and, and a couple of months ago, we were coming up on March Madness, which is the NCAA's primary source of revenue. And so, you know, things were kind of going as planned. So now that we're a few weeks into this, everything's been canceled for the foreseeable future. Uh, what are your main concerns when you look at the world of, of college sports? And let's talk broad picture, Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three. Do you think whenever we get back to quote-unquote normal, we'll see some schools shutter athletics for financial reasons? Will we see programs by the wayside? Are you expecting that? I don't know if I'll see it. I don't know if I would anticipate schools completely eliminating athletics. I think athletics is going to have to go through the process that probably most units on campus are going to go through, and that's budget reduction. I mean, higher ed is anticipating, you know, significant revenue losses because of COVID-19, which requires all the different units to likely reduce budgets, find ways to be more efficient. Um, So I think athletics will be part of that. You know, schools that offer more sports than are uh, required based on their divisional membership may explore elimination of sports as one option to reduce costs. Um, I think there's some others that potentially would be examined as well. You know, one would be travel. Um, And so for some sports, like if you think of the school I'm at, Temple, 
the conference that they're part of, the American Athletic Conference, is spread out uh, in a pretty wide geographic area in the U.S., all the way from, you know, we're in Philadelphia, all the way to Wichita, Kansas, to Dallas, Texas, Houston, Texas. And so there's a lot of travel. You know, do we need to send our golf team to Dallas for an event or our tennis team or our volleyball team, or could they play more regionally and reduce travel costs? So I think some of those things will be explored. I think this conversation has kind of two parts. There's the moment we're in now, and then there's the moment, let's say, in a worst-case scenario, you know, six months from now, and there's no college football. How does that mm-hmm. change things, specifically at Division One level? How does missing a season of college football, how would that shatter economic models and, and really put things in dire straits? Um, it would be significant at the division one level, especially for FBS schools, uh, football is the primary driver for their, um, operating budgets. And so to not have football, uh, especially if you're a school like Penn state or Ohio state or Alabama that draws significant crowds and then uses those events for sponsorship and donations and all of those types of things, TV revenue, not having football would, would put quite a few athletic departments in a very precarious situation financially. What are some things you're looking for? Are there like certain announcements, certain uh, dates, uh, milestones where we might start to see if things are starting to roll in the wrong direction at certain with certain programs and stuff like that? I mean, I, I think it has to do when you can start to have students back on campus. Um, you know, I, I don't know how comfortable schools will be to only have student athletes on campus and not any other students. I mean, I think it's got to be safe for everyone to be back in order for that to move forward. And then, you know, football requires uh, a certain amount of time of preparation and, and getting ready for the season. It's the logistics of changing schedules and travel for all of the teams and, you know, not just the one that you're part of, but all the teams across, you know, FBS and what that means. Um, There are obviously TV contracts involved and what their expectations are. So I, I think, you know, me personally, I would be really surprised if there's not football next year, but I also think it's very realistic that football will not look the same next year, whether that means the time of year that it's offered, the number of games that are, that schools are able to play. Um, I think all of those things are likely to change uh, as this pandemic, you know, goes on, especially as what they're projecting the timeline is it would be difficult to start on time for football. When we talk about the concept of programs being shuttered, uh, you know, athletics going by the wayside, is that Division two and Division three. I assume it's a more precarious economic uh, situation, or is that once again depending on uh, where they go? Because the trickle down, specifically, you mentioned the NCAA tournament going away, that cut a lot of the money that was to trickle down. And I would imagine they're already in situations where they have to take a hard look at things. Yeah, they are. I mean, schools are going to receive less money from the NCAA this year than they had in the past because of the the tournament not happening. You know, Division Two and Division Three, it's a different model for college athletics. Obviously, the expenses are not as great, but the revenues are also not the same as we see in Division One. One of the big differences with Division Two and Division Three is that athletics is also a way to 
uh, drive enrollment at that institution. So a much higher percentage of your total student population is probably, you know, participates in college athletics. And so to not have athletics as a cost saver really probably doesn't benefit the institution because you would lose three, four, five hundred, even more for some schools, students who no longer would enroll at the institution because their sport is not offered. And that would have significant uh, implications for the overall budget of that institution. So reductions, yes, maybe, you know, less travel, um, you know, ways for them to cut costs at the Division Two and Division Three level, but it, it's such a big part of enrollment at those institutions, at most of those institutions, that I think it would be difficult to completely eliminate it. Is this one of those situations where it's probably even hard to get your head around what all the ripple effects of this are going to be just because it's not just it's so fluid, but so many different people at so many different levels kind of have their their finger in the bowl when it comes to college athletics? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it, it is going to be really challenging because it's also it's not going to be uniform across the United States. So what's happening here in Pennsylvania in terms of COVID-19 may be very different than what's happening in Texas or Ohio. And so, you know, while it may be okay for Ohio state to bring students back to campus here in Pennsylvania, we may not be ready. So how do you handle that? So how, you know, how can some teams be ready to, to go and others not? Um, So it, it is, there's a lot riding on it, obviously, and, and everyone wants it to happen. But I think people also understand that you have to do this in a way that doesn't jeopardize the, the health and safety of students and student athletes. And, and so it is a pretty complex situation. And, and, and probably the, the challenging, one of the, the other challenging elements to it is no one really knows how this is going to play out and when it's really going to calm down and go away and when it is safe for us to to be around other people. And, you know, that's a whole nother part of it is, are we all going to fill stadiums with a hundred thousand people again? I mean, when does that become okay and comfortable? So I think events themselves, even when we have football may look different, it may have a different feel. And and so all of those things I'm sure are being discussed, um, but they'll be part of that ripple effect that you're talking about. That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth Coronavirus. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic here in the Philadelphia area, or if you want to know how what you see or hear on the news is going to change your own life or your own routine, then subscribe to the KYW In-Depth podcast. Search for KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. My name is Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon. 